Welcome to Conversations About Government in Iowa. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on September 25, 2017 by Josie Garretts, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. She conducted a telephone interview with Senator Charles Grassley from his office in Washington, D.C. They talked about the beginnings of the school aid formula and Senator Grassley's time in the Iowa House of Representatives. Today I'm speaking with U.S. Senator Charles Grassley, who has served as a senator from Iowa since 1981. Before winning a seat in the U.S. Senate, he served as the representative for Iowa's 3rd District in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1975 to 1981. But today we are talking about where he got his start as a legislator in the Iowa House of Representatives from 1959 to 1975. During that time, he served as the chair of the Education Committee, then called the Committee on Schools, during the transition to Iowa's school aid formula. So what brought you to the Iowa State House in 1959? I was a graduate. Uh, of political science from then Iowa State Teachers College with a BA and an MA in that area and history and I was interested in public policy, interested in politics and I uh, just uh, wanted to see if I could be an effective policymaker as a state legislator. During that time, during the late 1960s, early 70s, it says that you were the chair of the schools committee and that that committee had 40 members. Was there a reason that that committee was so large? Yeah. Education was a big, big thing in Iowa in those days. Today we have under 400 school districts, but in 1950s we had as many as 900. And maybe when I got there it was down to about five or 600. But you can imagine with so many school districts Uh, and school policy being so central that I think people wanted to sit on the committee and and obviously it's difficult for a speaker to say no to somebody that wants to be on a committee so it just got bigger and bigger over time. Wow. We talked a little bit this school funding was a big deal, school policy was a big deal. Do you have much of a recollection of how schools were funded in Iowa before the school aid formula? Yeah, mostly property taxes, and uh, even going back to the 1930s, if you go back and read uh, newspaper advertisements for people running for the legislature, there was always the issue of reducing property taxes, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, most funding coming from property taxes, a little bit from the state. Mm-hmm. And so you had a lot of inequity between property-rich districts and property-poor districts. And so the effort of increasing state aid served two purposes. One, it would equalize between poorer districts and richer districts uh, and would also relieve property taxes. But it would also, as it turned out, uh, give the state some overall state policy of how much school districts could increase their funding from year to year uh, because you found uh, school districts one-upping each other. Uh, Well, if this uh, school district is giving uh, a 10% pay raise, we got to give a 15% pay raise or we will uh, lose our valuable teachers. Mm -hmm. And so it was just uh, one-upsmanship 
that kept driving up the cost of education, which in turn drove up the cost of property taxes, and you didn't get a whole lot of equalization in the process. That's really interesting. I'd never heard of it. Well, I could also say you'd have to go back and check a California Supreme Court case, I think, of the California Supreme Court, where they uh, broke a lot of ground for other states where equalization between the rich and the poor districts became a big deal and maybe still uh, followed as arguments for equalizing between uh, poor districts and richer districts. Uh, I don't know the name of that case, but it was pretty prominent when we had these debates. Interesting. So how did the idea for a new school aid formula come about? Was this just something that everyone had been talking about because of all of that, or were there specific groups or individuals that were really saying, we've got to get working on this? I think it's pretty general mm -hmm. because probably everybody was campaigning on the issue of uh, doing something about property taxes. I should say property taxes and the increase funding for education because everybody wanted to be pro-education. And it kind of brought uh, educators and uh, property tax reduction advocates together. And it also worked for the equalization of education. It was a big thing at that particular time. And, and I guess reading recent debates in the Iowa legislature, uh, it still is an issue. Do you have any kind of memory of what the committee's chief concerns were, the, that property tax piece, and then also the, the equalization? Were there any other things that people were looking at while creating the formula? I don't think so. Okay. I think that throughout a long period of time, maybe a decade leading up to this, it was essential. Maybe another driving force was that it had stopped by the early 60s, the state of Iowa, under a previous superintendent of public instruction by the name of J.C. Wright, he preceded Paul Johnston, mm -hmm. who was uh, superintendent for maybe 15 or 20 years, I don't know how long. But J.C. Wright used all the power, and probably power he didn't have, in the 1950s, to reduce the number of school districts down from approximately 875 down to 500 and some. And I remember in 1959, I put in a bill that got a lot of publicity and never got passed, but we were gonna put a moratorium on all school district reorganization. The bill didn't pass, but during the 1960s, we did not have that rapid reduction in uh, school districts through forced school re reorganization. And so another third factor besides equalization and doing something about property tax, burden of property tax, was the idea that if we had more state aid, mm -hmm. some of these rural school districts would be able to stay open longer. Yeah, we're down, as of fiscal year 19, there will be 330 districts in the state of Iowa. It is continued in that number drop. Yeah. Remember when I left in 1975, I believe that we still had 435. Mm -hmm. So the rapid reduction came between 1953 and 1959 or 60 in that period of time. Do you think that if the school aid formula were reset and began again today, the same things would come into consideration? 
Yes. Although I read, I read in the paper, and this is memory from maybe six months ago, but don't school districts like, like Davenport, for instance, feel that the present formula is unfair to them for some reason or other? Take the view that if they want to spend more and pay for more for their education, they ought to be able to do it, but the state school aid formula won't let them? That has been my impression of their argument. Yeah. So, in other words, uh, not a whole lot's changed in 45 years. I think that might be the case. Yeah. So, looking at some of what happened during the early 1970s, can you think of any compromises that were made during the process of the school aid formula? I was on the school aid study committee. Uh, Charlene Conklin and I, I don't know whether we co-chaired it or, or how it or maybe somebody else shared it, we were on it. We held hearings around the state. Mm -hmm. And then we sat down and developed this. But she was from Waterloo and she was a good friend of mine until we ran against each other for Congress. <laughs> but we're, we've, we've reestablished our friendship, but we were really close mm -hmm. in the state legislature. You might try to get a hold of Charlene Conklin. Absolutely. So you said that you guys did meetings statewide. Is that how you guys consulted school districts and the general public? Just like any hearing, mm -hmm. more or less, to hear from people on both sides. Although I don't know whether there was a case of hearing from both sides, because I think there was a consensus among uh, people that we had to do something about property tax, we had to do something about school spending, and we had to equalize. Do you have any memory or recollection of how the new formula was received by school districts? Well, all I can say is it passed by a fairly large margin in both houses. And it's too bad that Del Stromer's not alive. That's the father of House Speaker Upmeyer. Mm -hmm. You might ask her if there's any old family uh, records around that you could look at that Dell would have kept. Uh, it, maybe he threw, burned them all. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, any sort of records. My papers from my years in the legislature are at the UNI library. They're open to the public, and there's not too many uh, records. Most of it would be my uh, personal correspondence, but there might be some other things there that would give you some hint. If I had time to go through those, maybe I could fill in a lot, but I don't have time to do that. But you would be free to, in other words, my archives from the state legislature mm -hmm. can be opened. Oh, that'd uh, be excellent. If, Thank you. If you wanted to go to UNI and get some information on it. Yeah. I think that there were rural versus urban concerns because I think that uh, rural areas were more highly in support of the formulas in urban areas because with uh, agricultural land, mm being a big part of the tax base. Farmers and rural people would have been taxed, uh, I don't know how to say it, but would have maybe carried a bigger burden okay. per person, <clears throat> per taxpayer, than maybe they would in urban areas. Oh, okay, interesting. I Just a couple more questions if you still have a few more minutes. Yeah. Was there anything that surprised you about the process of creating the school aid formula? I suppose, I don't remember deliberations within our study committee, and then after the study committee made recommendations, the bill had to be written and go to the committees of the House, and I presume it wasn't only my education committee. It was probably, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ways and Means Committee wouldn't have had some 
jurisdiction over it. I don't know for sure. But uh, if I could remember some of those things, what it took to get it, it ended up being kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. And we always said that Del Stromer was the only one that knew how it worked because he probably had more to do in actually writing it and figuring out after we made some decisions what we should do, how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I think he followed me after I become chairman of the Appropriations Committee in 73. I think he followed me as chairman of the, the uh, Education Committee. You'd have to check that out, but I think he did. Okay. You could ask Speaker Upmeyer about that. Is there anything else you would like to add before we're done today? The only other thing I would add is, uh, other than this school aid formula, one of the things that I'm proud of as a state legislator and being involved in this committee was prior to 1969, if you had a special needs kid, like physical or mental needs, you brought them to the superintendent, say, I want my kid enrolled. They said, we don't have a program for you. You gotta go find your own help for your kid as far as education was concerned. That doesn't mean that some school districts weren't educating special needs kids, but they didn't have to. Uh, And so we uh, mandated that that was a responsibility of the local school district to make sure that everybody living in that school district that was qualified for a public education would get it. Then that led us to the fact that there a lot of rural schools couldn't do it. And we had uh, county school superintendents at that time. We abolished the county school system. Uh, we set up the AEAs. Uh, we started that process my last year as chairman of the education committee. Uh, We didn't get it done then, and then I think Del Stromer finished it up when I became chairman of the Education Committee. But I kind of figure I'm kind of the father of the AEAs, even though maybe I wasn't chairman of the committee when it actually passed, because I got it through the Iowa House in 1972, and then in 1974 it actually became a law. And, And the purpose of it was to uh, provide for these kids that small districts couldn't provide on their own. That's still a service that they provide. Yeah. Senator Grassley, thank you so much for speaking with me today and taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about these things. Thank you so much. (laughs) 